thanks everyone for joining us. We're going to discuss things in regards to the game and the Raptors. So feel free to request to speak uh, so we can have you come up and, and tell us what you, and you know, you can tell us whatever you want to tell us. So just in general, guys, I guess we'll just go one by one. Um, let's say Niraj and then CJ. Niraj, what, what did you think um, in general? What, what were the kind of like defining moments for you in the game? What, what was what, what was noteworthy? Um, OG, pretty much everything this guy did in the first half and part of the third quarter, like he legit looked like a first option and capable of being a first option. Um, there was a, a play where he was sizing up Tobias Harris from behind the three-point line. Kind of just took a couple of dribbles and knocked a three down with a hand in his face. There was a play, I think he had Danny Green on him. He he bricked this short, but then he got the, the offensive rebound, finished a layup where uh, he was kind of driving right. He turned around um, and shot a bit of a mid-range fadeaway. And like that's something that OG would never have done last year, two years ago, or any year prior to this preseason, right? So just seeing that he's willing to take that shot, even though he's not making it yet, like it'll come along when he takes it more. Um, I think that was a pretty defining moment. Um, I mean, Scotty in general, man, in the in the first quarter, this guy was playing with so much energy. He was clapping. He was. Uh, it says my connection's lost. Do you still hear me? Yeah, we can still hear you. Okay, there we go. Um, he was clapping in everyone's face. He was. Uh, he was like jumping for all those offensive rebounds, batting them out to open shooters. Just so much energy, and that's nothing new. But that's like. That's where Scotty is, and that's what Scotty brings, and he's doing it consistently, right? So that's definitely another highlight, I would say. Yeah, that's the thing that you know we can expect from him at the bare minimum every single night. That's totally true. CJ, were there any kind of defining moments or you know defining themes that you took away from this game? Yeah, honestly, I just a couple things I paid attention to is honestly with Pascal out, OG's got to step up, and his clear nurse is allowing him to do so. He's attacking on offense a lot more in a ver- in a variety of different ways, and honestly, he's been great. So I want to see how he continues to play. Honestly, I was impressed with how Malachi Flynn bounced back offensively after not getting a lot of play in the first game, and Svi continues to play really well. Honestly. I would say that I'm just attuned to a Gary versus Speed comparison from earlier that I feel like Speed just, he knows his role. He plays very in control and he, he knows what shots to take and when to take them. And I feel like he is a pretty solid addition to the team. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. We did see OG used um, in a lot of different ways. Actually, we saw him a lot in the post. We saw him even kind of like behind the three point line as a playmaker. Like we saw him kind of deployed in a lot of different ways offensively. So in total for both of you, the defining moment was OG and, and what he showed tonight. 100%. OG for sure. One more thing that, that I'll touch on that I didn't say before, though, is Precious is way more agile than I think anybody realized. Like, he showed that in, in the first preseason game on Monday, but again today where I think it was he got a steal when, when someone was passing from the wing up to the top of the arc and he kind of year-stepped Andre Drummond and had a nice finger roll, like, those are things that I know he's not a traditional center, and, and that's the reason why we pretty much got him. But, like, those are things that centers and big guys don't do. This guy pretty much plays like a three. Like, what I'm thinking is if if Precious can keep doing that and keep playing with that level of agility, and if he can hopefully keep shooting threes and knocking them down, like, you could play a front court of Precious, Boucher, and Butch comfortably. Yeah, that, and that would be that would be pretty dangerous, I think. Um, if anybody wants to request to speak, and you know, just we'll we'll feel your call. So go ahead and request to speak, and we'll bring you up. Um, CJ, was there anything other than OG that that struck you? 
Like maybe, for example, how poor we were defensively. Yeah, honestly, I I noticed the poor defensive the defensive play, but honestly, the thing that stuck out is as long as the guys, it's preseason, it's early, it's the second game. As long as guys are you know giving energy, they're giving effort because it's early season and cardio is so crucial. You're gonna have breakdowns, you're gonna have mental errors, and honestly, what I look at early is our guys driven in the end of the second quarter before the halftime break. Are guys still giving it their all? Do we still have energy at the end of the fourth quarter? As long as I see athletically and cardio-wise we're there, I'm not overly concerned about defense just yet. So you saw that performance and you weren't concerned like that they were tired or anything like that? You think that it was just a lack of concentration? I think that although they were tired towards the end, I feel like Nick Nurse was really pushing his guys. Like, I didn't see a lot of substitutions, especially in the second quarter there. And I feel like Nick was really testing cardio in particular because guys were gassed at points in time, but it's not as if Nick was subbing them out right away. He was letting them play. So I truly think it was a test of cardio and he was really letting his guys play to see where they're at right now. In general, did you so you you didn't have any concerns about their focus or anything like that? Because it did seem like you know sometimes they were they were leaving the man open in the corner or just open in the three point line in general, and it was just kind of like one where you expected them to be aware of what was going on around them, and they didn't. Like there were a lot of like, oh shit, there's someone behind me. Like there there were a lot of those, and the guy yeah. came really late on the contest. So you weren't concerned I- about that. I don't attribute that to focus. So honestly, I attribute that to communication more than anything else. When you have these young guys or guys that are new to the system, it's just getting used to talking to the people around you, getting used to communicating who likes to switch when, who likes to switch where, positioning, stuff like that. And honestly, I, I'm not concerned about that yet because a lot of those things come with time, practice, and experience together. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Niraj, what do you think? Like, did you Did you feel that, you know, it was just maybe kind of a, you know, a, a chemistry low point where, you know, they, they just kind of, because they don't have chemistry, it kind of showed maybe back in Toronto, it didn't show because they were kind of hyped for Toronto and who knows, maybe that gave them some extra adrenaline. They played better, but you know, we, we saw them play a lot better last game than we did this game. So what were your thoughts about that? About like, you know, was it a lack of focus? What was it? Yeah, I think I like what CJ said about less focus, maybe and more communication areas. I think, there were a couple of times where I would see the, the Sixers were just running like simple player actions, pin downs, hammers, like stuff that you see a hundred times in an NBA game and the Raptors would just have trouble fighting over those beans and navigating those beans. And so I think that's more of just uh, getting back in like a game action type of thing is your typical preseason woes. But um, the other thing that I wanted to point out is in the first quarter, as far as the defense goes, like, there were a lot of times where as soon as Embiid catches the ball, or I guess Drummond for that sake as well, they're sending the double team. But when Embiid is surrounded by four shooters and when, when Simmons isn't really on the floor that much or at all, I guess, um, if he's got, like, Seth, Tobias, Maxi, and uh, Korkmaz or something like that on the floor with him, he can just kick that out and they'll reverse it until they find that open shot. And I think that's what was killing the Raptors so much uh, early in the first half and why the Sixers had 12 threes is, you don't have a real big to defend Embiid, and so you're forced to double him every time he catches the ball inside. But as a result of that, they just get those easy reverses and, and open three-point looks, right? So that was definitely an issue and, and something that will probably persist in the season because there is no real center on this roster. So how do you guard the Embiid's, the Drummonds, the Jokic's, the even Gobert's if they catch the ball that, that deep in the post? Yeah, that's a really interesting take. Maybe it was our lack of a center. Maybe if, you know, maybe Birch isn't exactly the ideal Embiid stopper, but maybe if we had him, we would have played a little bit better because we wouldn't have had to double all the time and that would have allowed us to keep, you know, track of our defensive rotations. Is that, you? would you agree with that, CJ? 
Yeah, honestly, my, my take on that is a big question for this season is are one of our six nine, six eight guys gonna be able to step up and, you know, at a reasonable clip defend a center, defend a Joel Embiid, whether that's a Scotty, an OG or a Precious or a Birch, whoever it is, if the Raptors don't have someone who can confidently one on one guard a center here and there, they're gonna have problems all season long. Yeah, absolutely. So like in a short answer, would you would you agree that maybe if we just had a proper center, even Birch, then we would have played a little bit more defense, better defensively? I think we I, we definitely would have played a little bit better with a true center, especially versus Embiid. Right, fair enough. So let's talk maybe a little bit more about OG for a moment. Like what we saw today was Kawhi-esque. What we saw today was, you know, he hit that um, that turnaround fadeaway jumper. I think it was like the one-legged one that he hit over KD. It was the exact same one. Um, you know, he hit off the size up, which he seems to be doing a lot. Like it's, it must, it looks very rehearsed. We're seeing all kinds of comfort, comfort shooting off the dribble now, and it seems like he's ready to take that all-star leap. So, what, what were your first impressions? We'll start with uh, Niraj going to CJ, and if anybody wants to say anything, then they can request to speak. So, Niraj, what did you think? Dude, OG, if the Raptors are, like, at least a 500 team by the All-Star break, OG's going to be an All-Star, 100%. Like, if this guy's averaging 20 points and is still, like, this guy's been robbed of four all-defensive teams already in his career. Like, I don't care what the votes say. I don't care what the accolades say. Like, this guy's a top eight defender in the league. He was the most versatile defender in the league, like, statistically last season, right? Most, I'm pretty sure he's the most versatile defender of, like, the past 20 years in NBA history, some crazy thing like that, right? Like, this guy is an incredible defender. If he's averaging 20 efficient points per game, and he's, he's passing as well. There were a couple uh, plays, I think it was in the third quarter today, where he was running a simple pick and roll with Freddie. The corner would clear out. He would have a smaller guy on his back. And one time he found Champagne for a layup. One time he hit a post-fade jumper on the baseline, I'm pretty sure. Like, this guy is doing so many things that we've just never seen from him before. Like, OG, you could maybe make an argument for him being in that borderline All-Star category last year, but he's uh, he's well above that this year. Like everything he's added to his arsenal, it's it's contributing to winning. I mean, I know he didn't win tonight, but we're a better team when he's on the floor. He's efficient. He does it on both ends. Like I, I, it, you said it, it's Kawhi-esque. Like I don't know how many players in the league can can contribute on both ends that effectively. And just to add on to that, your thoughts about his shooting? Because he is an amazing shooter. Like not just for his size, that's already amazing enough. But just in general, he's an amazing shooter. They were, I'm pretty sure, he was like the the 12th best shooter in the league who's like 6, 7 or above last year. And a lot of the guys above him were just like three-point specialists, like Davis Boyton's type of players. So, like, yeah, literally, he, he's as good as they come for, for a small forward, power forward type of player. Absolutely. What were your thoughts, CJ? What were your thoughts about OG Ananobi and what he showed you today? What did he tell you? Honestly, for me, I think a big thing is coming into the season with Kyle leaving. I feel like Nick Nurse knew and it's been communicated to OG that he's no longer a third, fourth option on offense where which he's been for the last couple of seasons. You know, this season he's going to be a one off, a one option or a two option to start the season. So I feel like he's really going out there and he's just looking to create his offense everywhere. Like his shooting is spectacular. I love to see it. But for me, the one thing I specifically like to see is just shot creation 
creation. I've seen a lot of corner catch and shoot threes at, a, at the 45 catch and shoot threes over his career. But for him to actually create the three point shot for himself or to take any form of mid range jaw um, jump shot off the dribble in general is really impressive for me. And if he can continue building, I also agree this might be his first all star season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, also, I'm just going to add, like, back to the Kawhi thing. Like, Raptors fans have been, like, I don't want to say delusionally, but it really is that. Like, we've been delusionally comparing OG to Kawhi since, like, this guy was in his second season. Like, it's like, oh, my God, look at Kawhi in his rookie season. He averaged, like, eight points, two rebounds, two assists, and one steal. Like, you know how many defensive small forwards do that in their rookie season? Like, if you're drafted in the first round, probably, like, 35% of them. You know what I mean? So... Like, to have compared OG to Kawhi after that first season was just ridiculous. Like, this guy didn't do anything special, really. But, like, he's really doing it. Like, he's really following along that, like, one-in-a-million trajectory type of thing. Like, that, like Kawhi did it, you know what I mean? And now OG's doing it. Like, it's it's honestly insane. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Baker, what's up, man? What's up, man? How are you? Good, good. Uh, what brings you here? <laughs> um, I kind of wanted just to talk about, like, you know, because I did watch the game today, you know. Um, nice. So, like, you know, there's some stuff that, like, I kind of wanted to talk about. You know, OG and Adobe, like, I, I've never... That's, exa- wa- that's exactly what we're talking about, yeah. I haven't watched, like, a whole lot of them. You know, I've watched, like, bits and pieces, you know. Like, the, more, the most, like, time I've watched them was, like, maybe, like, the bubble against Boston. But, like... And then, like, some parts, like, last year. Um, but, like, today, like, when I, when I was watching today, I was like, yo, what the... I was like, wow. I was kind of, like, I was impressed because, you know, he looks a lot... He looks, like, refined. Like, his shot looks good. Like, there's some some points, like, in the game, like, he hits the turnaround over Tobias Harris. Um, he had, like, a little pull-up three at the top of the key. Like, like he looks, like, very refined. And, like, you know, like... Um, with um, CJ and uh, Naraj talking about like him being an All Star, I think like what what it, what's gonna take for that to happen is like you guys being like very very like you guys are gonna have to be like really really good and like he's gonna have to be like really really good like I don't like because like the East is very like the East like now is like really really good you still have like. Because, like, if you just name, like, All-Stars, like, just off the top of your head, you still have KD, Harden, Giannis, you know, Trey Young, um, Jason Tatum, you know, like, it's a long... Siakam, hopefully. Yeah, like, it's a long... It's a, it's a list. It's a long list, but, like, in order for OG to, like, make an All-Star appearance, it's going to take the Raptors to be at least, like, maybe, maybe, like, the... Like, a top four, five seed, probably... Like, it's going to take, like, people getting, like, shocked over, you know? Like, because I think, like, maybe... Because it's going to take, like, that type of um, play for him to get recognized for, like, the type of player he's become, you know? Like... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we can talk about OG specifically, like... I wanted to talk about what if Pascal Siakam comes back. The injury is still bothering him. He's not quite the Pascal that we had. He's maybe, you know, uh, Tampa Bay bubble Pascal. Maybe he's that type of Pascal. I want to ask, do you guys think that Nick Nurse trusts him to be the 1A option if Siakam comes back and, you know, he's not really feeling it? Like, it doesn't matter that Siakam's back. Let's make OG the number one option. Do you guys think that that'll happen? And if you do, like, you know, what do you think that his ceiling is in that role? We can go one by one if you want, like Niraj Ruz. 
I think it would take a lot of screw-ups from Pascal to, to lose that, right? Especially after, like, that New York Times article came out. He dropped that little five-minute video of him touring Toronto, and it, it really seems like he knows he's going to be the guy. And I know they said don't use the word the guy, but, like, as fans, that's what we say. So, like, Pascal is the number one option on this team, and I don't think two preseason games has really moved the needle that much. But I think if Pascal struggles for like I'm talking 20 games type of thing it shows zero signs of life of him being able to be that 2018-2019 version of himself then yeah sure there's a chance they look towards OG if he, if he keeps performing at this level to start closing games for them um, but I think what, what else is the other thing that's really interesting is like the Raptors don't have a clear number one alpha and a, a second option and a third option it's like OG, Pascal and Fred are the three best players on this team and Use them interchangeably however you want, but those are the three guys, right? Like, if Freddie's on and he's having that 54-point game type of thing against the Magic, like, he's your first option and he's getting the last shot. If Pascal is his 2018-2019 version of himself, sure, he's getting the last shot. If OG's playing like he played tonight, maybe you give him the last shot, right? So, I think it's nice to have three options. The only problem is, like, you can't rely on one of them to show up every single night. You just need one of the three of them to show up every night. You know what I mean? Yep, totally. So, your answer then would be, nah, like, I, I, I think Nurse would still go with Siakam as kind of, like, the main option, but there can be a new main option every night is what you're saying. Yeah, like, in this moment, I think it's still Pascal is that number one, but the gap is definitely not as, as wide as it once was. Right, and do you think that he's capable of being a number one option right now if, for example, you know, now that Siakam's going to be out, he's probably going to be our number one option. Do you think he can be? Do you think he could put up maybe Siakam-type numbers? Do I think OG could put up Siakam numbers? Yeah. It's hard to say, like, a lot of times when, when you have a role player and you increase your usage to a star player level, their efficiency drops a lot. But even at the back half of last season where, like, Kyle was resting and Siakam was resting a lot and OG was essentially taking those, like, star level number of shot attempts, he was still shooting. I think his effective field goal percentage was still above 60%, right? So the efficiency never dropped with him. And so that kind of leads me to want to say yes. But obviously, the sample size was so small that I can't say it conclusively, you know? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Baker, how about you? You're a Celtics fan. You can give us kind of a, a different perspective. Um, I'm like, it's going to be weird for the Raptors, especially because, you know, there's no Kyle. So, you know, like, um, so it's really, I think it really just comes down to like, it's going to come down to like two things, either who has it going that night or... Or like Nick Nurse, like coming up with like like schemes to like get people like in the right spots, because like I don't want to say like OG's ready, because like I haven't seen it yet. So like I'm more like I, I'm not really sure to be honest. Like, I I kind of want to like see it from my own eyes, like how it goes down. So like I think that's my answer. So like either 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 Nurse like comes up with like like coaching game plans to like get people open in the right spots during like the closing the like during the the closing seconds of games or like who had like either like when Pascal gets healthy or like Fred or like OG who has it like going that night I think you maybe go to one of them but like there's no like definitive like option right now like because Pascal's hurt so like I think they're just it's it's, it's a it's a weird it's very weird Right. And in that moment, you know, in that that time period where Pascal's going to be out, 
let's pretend that OG and Anobi is our nailed on first option. Do you think he could put up Siakam like numbers? Um, you know, from what you've seen in this two game sample size, if that happened to be consistent? I mean, yeah, I mean, but like, then again, like, with, you know, with that kind of like, with that kind of um, ability, it's, it's going to get harder every night because like, you're going to get like the defense's attention like more times than not, you know? Um, so that's the, that's the responsibilities of being a number one. So, like, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how he, like, how he approaches it. And, like, when defenses start, like, keying in on him, like, especially today, like, Philly, Philly started double-teaming him when he got going. And, like, you know, like, I think, like, towards the end of the second quarter, like, he started turning the ball over a little bit. You know, Philly blew the game open. So, like, it's going to be, like, it's going to be times, like, where, like, I'm just going to – my question is, is he going to be ready for it? And, like, I'm not questioning his, like, basketball ability because he, he looks really good right now. So, if he can be, like, Pascal Siakam, then, like, the sky's the limit for this team, especially when Pascal gets back. Right. So, if you if you had to bet, like, as a real quick thing, if you had to bet on how good he'd do, like, do you think he'd reach Siakam numbers in the time that Siakam's out if we go to him as, as the first option? Like, I would say, like, maybe, like... I think, like, Jalen Brown in his third year, like, not, like, the all-star year, but, like, the year before, when he was, like, when he was borderline an all-star, like, he was averaging, like, around 20, almost 21 a game on really good efficiency. If OG and Adobe can be like that, then, then like, that's, like, that's pretty good, too, you know? And if they're, like, there's nothing to hang your hat on. That's something to hang your hat on. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Baker. Appreciate you, man. Problem. Yo, CJ, what do you think about OG? Um, if Pascal is out, if he could be a number one option, uh, equivalent to him. Yeah, obviously it's a very small sample size, but let's just pretend if these are, these games are any indication of what he'll do in regular season, then yeah. If these games are any indication, then yeah, it's possible because Pascal, like he can shoot the three, but a lot of his game is inside scoring. So if OG continues to shoot the three well and he does it on a high volume, then yeah, it's possible he matches him. But I wouldn't say it's likely, no, especially once defenses start to adjust on a nightly basis. Right, yeah, fair enough. Was there something in particular that you think maybe tactics wise or analytics wise that if he continues to show at this high a level that it's going to, you know, really, really, really be the difference for him. Cause for me, I think it's the mid range, you know, uh, they can't play drop coverage on him if he's got a mid range on him. Uh, maybe they still will, but you know, if he's shooting it the way that he is now, you know, they, I, they, I think they can't do either of you guys have one of those features like in, in mind for you. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the mid-range. I can't remember what the numbers were exactly. I wrote an article on it around a month ago. But, like, last year, I'm pretty sure OG shot, like, 28% from mid-range and 40% from behind the arc and something crazy, like, 62%, 61% in the restricted area. So, it's definitely that mid-range shot. Like, that's... If if he can even shoot the mid-range shot at 40%, and I know it's a contested shot, that's why it's kind of been outlawed in basketball. It's like, why would you take a contested mid-range if you could have a relatively open three-pointer. But if you want to really be a consistent three-level scorer and, and be a first option, you have to have that mid-range shot in your arsenal. It's still a very important shot come playoff time. Like You won't find a championship team where they didn't have a player who could consistently hit that mid-range jumper, whether it's KD or Kawhi or Kyrie or whoever it might be. 
um, if you if you really want to be a superstar player, you have to have that mid range jumper in your arsenal, right? So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, if he's gonna take that, I think it's safe to call him a star now if he does what he's been doing over these past couple games for an entire season. But like, to really be a superstar, he has to start adding that mid range shot to his game. Yeah. So CJ, was there any one particular attribute for you that OG showed tonight that if you can keep doing that, it's gonna be it's gonna make a big difference? Yeah, I'll agree with both of you with the mid-range shot, and I'll say just an ability to have an efficiency shooting the mid-range shot and um, a willingness to shoot it, and above all else, just variety in his offensive game. Like Niraj said, his ability to be a three-level scorer will open up all facets of his game. Mid-range is the one part he's lacking the most at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Does anybody else want to tell us anything about their thoughts on OG? Just request to speak, and, and we can get to that. But until we get somebody else to speak, um, let's stop talking about OG for a second. We talked about OG. We talked about the defense. Um, what did you guys think about Fred's early showing in these last two games? I feel like in the first game, he wasn't even trying. Like, that's that's not the Fred Van Vliet we know. Like he, yeah, exactly. He, he was half-assing on defense. He wasn't looking for his shots. I like, though, how it seems like he's playing off-ball a lot more this, this at least through these first couple games. Like, I don't have any stat on his usage or anything, but I like him spotting up in the corner because obviously shooting is a big weakness on this year's team, but by putting the non-shooters on the ball and by putting Fred, who's arguably the best or second best shooter on the team off the ball, you're kind of eliminating the spacing issues because you, you, you've got to guard the guy with the ball to prevent them from getting downhill easily and you've got to guard Fred if he's off the ball and stay home on him, right? At least to an extent. So... I, I like what Nurse is doing there. Um, and I've also, I think a lot of us have always thought of, of Fed as more of a two-guard than a one-guard. And, and I don't think Fed is really the best guy to always be facilitating that pick and roll. Um, I'd rather have Malika do it. And I, I might even say I'd rather have Delano do it at this point. But um, having Fed off the ball a lot more has definitely been um, something that I've enjoyed watching. Yeah, how about you, CJ? What did you think about Fred these last two games? I mean, he's played decent. I wouldn't say he's played spectacular in any sense. The honestly, the one thing I'm going to watch is, yeah, I also agree. I personally see him as a two guard, but the big issue is Nick Nurse does use him in a lot of ball handler situations, and I'm not quite sure if I fully trust him as a a playmaker and a point guard and a one guard. So I'm going to watch that as the season goes on because that's my number one concern, low assist numbers and high turnovers. Yeah, there's a there's a point I kind of wanted to reference that do you guys this is you guys might not remember this, but do you guys remember at the beginning of the 2019-20 season, our first season without Kawhi, so like the one right after the championship. Do you remember that road trip? We had like California two nights in a row. Um that road trip that we had uh Siakam and Fred, but like Lowry and Ibaka were out. Do you guys remember that like little road trip? That was, that was like right after the Pelicans game where where Ibaka got injured, right? Yeah, it was like very early in the season. Yeah, it was very very early in the season, and there was no yeah, Larry yeah. and no Ibaka. Well, maybe you guys won't remember, but Fred and and Siakam were working so well together, so well together that a lot of people I remember, myself included, we were like, now is probably the time to trade Larry because Fred is doing all of this, you know, and he just works with everything. We saw him as the one guard. That's the point. 
that was that on that road trip everyone nobody had any questions about his ability to be a point guard he was a great playmaker he was a great shooter finisher he had amazing chemistry with siakam especially in the in you know pick related situations um do you guys remember that at all and whether you do or you don't do you think that he can get to you know he can play that one guard position eventually maybe a season under his belt will change it I don't remember the games, but I think I do remember the sentiment just on Twitter um, now that you're talking about it. So, like, I, I will say this, like, he's definitely improved his playmaking over time. It hasn't been stagnant and it hasn't gotten worse. Um, so from that perspective, I guess you could say maybe, like, maybe he'll be capable of, of really running an offense as a two-point guard eventually. But again, like, with the way that the Raptors are trending, there is no two-point guard, right? It's like, we want 50% of our possessions to come in transition and 50% to come in the half-court offense. And even when you're in the half-court offense, like maybe the true point guard, whoever that may be, is running 50% of those half-court offense possessions, right? So if you only need a point guard to run one in four possessions that you have, it's like you don't need Freddie to be an outstanding playmaker. You just need him to be capable at that point. Yeah, totally. Uh, CJ, can Fred become our one guard? Can he become you know, more so of what we're looking for in a Lowry replacement? Yeah, that's a tough one, honestly. Like, I feel like he can be a serviceable one guard, but I don't think he'll... I'll always be concerned about his playmaking ability. Just with his size and his overall athleticism, I just honestly... This is no disrespect to Fred. He's an amazing player, amazing offensive player. I don't think he'll ever be a capable one guard if a team's planning that he's the one guard and they have a whole season to plan for him being the one guard. I just don't think he's tall enough. I don't think he's quite athletic enough. And I think teams can uh, game plan against him. So would you guys be willing to give up Fred? It kind of seems like from, you know, based on the direction that we're going now, um, it sucks that Scotty is a little bit older because then we probably would see Fred on the way out. But would you guys trade Fred if you're Messiah right now? Does it just make the most sense to do that and just go full on lengthy? Because we're seeing exquisite, playmaking abilities and bowl IQ from Scotty, you know, who, you know, it's never a good thing to put a rookie as a point guard on a, on a team that's trying to, you know, to clinch a high seed, but still he looks like he could maybe do the trick. Would either of you guys pull a trigger on, you know, a, a Fred, a Fred trade? I would trade him for Steph if that's available, but like <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trade him for Simmons if, if that's what we're alluding to. Um, sure. Simmons might be, I don't even want to say a better player. Like, I would I would debate that even. Like, Fred is a so much infinitely better player in the half-court offense. Like, especially come playoff time where teams have so much more time to scheme against you. It's like, I don't even know if I want Simmons on the floor if I'm playing a half-court offense. Sure, Simmons is better defensively and more versatile. And sure, like, as great of a defender as Freddie is, Simmons is a top-five defender in the league, and you can't take that away from him. And I'd rather have Simmons on defense. I'd maybe rather have Simmons in transition. Um, Simmons might be a better playmaker than Fred as well, but just, like, you don't want a guy who in, like I said, half your possessions is an absolute liability on, on the team, right? So that's half of it. I think the other half and the bigger half is, like, it's such a big transition year. There are, like, five guys on the roster who were even in Tampa last year and so many new faces, so many young guys who've never been a part of the Raptors system before. So, I think even more important than what he brings on the court is Freddie's leadership off the court. And you want Scotty and Delano and Champagne and Wainwright, if he makes a team, and all the other young guys to kind of be able to, to work with Freddie and learn from Freddie. Because I don't think Siakam or OG or Boucher are really the vocal leader that Freddie is. Yeah, absolutely. CJ? 
Yeah, honestly, like I just I know growing up we've we've all seen the Raptors and how they work. I just I would not personally trade Freddie, honestly, for anything because yeah, we've always had typically a leader. We like to have veterans around and Freddie really is that veteran presence. And we've been pretty clear that this is a transition year, that this we're not you know, we're not tanking or doing anything of the sort. So I feel like, yeah, Freddie's not going anywhere, nor do I want him to. If we want to stay remotely competitive, he's a, he's a part of the team, an important one at that. Yep, totally, totally. Um, maybe one last thing, or maybe at least one of the last things that we talk about, we should talk about just general offensive play styles. Did, what did you guys notice from the last um, from the last couple of games? Were there any patterns that you noticed? Like, oh wow, this is you know this is something that we're clearly focusing on. For example, like I saw a lot, a lot of pick and rolls for that. You know, we, we're running them a lot. Uh, how about you, Niraj? You want to start out, start us off? Yeah, I mean, I think just in general, pick and roll is obviously the most used play in any NBA offense, right? So. Definitely, especially when there's no real shot creators on the floor other than GTJ and, and Shvi at times. Um, you're kind of forced to use pick and roll instead of actions. Um, so I would agree with that. Um, I think I, I like the ball movement this year, though. Like there's, like I said, there's no go-to option other than, sure, you could call OG that, but I still don't think he's really the, the true definition and mold of what you would refer to as a go-to option. Um, so there's a lot of just driving kicks and driving kicks and that that's what I like and I think a lot of that is brought by the young guys right like these guys are all so unselfish they brought in these guys because they can do everything and part of everything is the ability to pass and see the floor and so Champagne while his NBA skill is rebounding he's still a very good passer Delano while he's very turnover prone is a very good passer Scotty obviously was drafted for his passing ability and his defense so there's a lot of guys that are just unselfish and like to move the ball and that's what I really like and that's kind of what I was, uh, I don't want to say taking shots at Gary at, earlier in this call, but like that's something that Gary really needs to develop. And I say more urgently now than ever. Uh, we complained about it a lot last year, his tunnel vision and his unwillingness to make plays for others. But especially in a year like this, where a lot of our offense just revolves around unselfishness, um, he really needs to, to start looking to get other guys better looks. Yeah, absolutely. Any uh, offensive patterns that you've noticed, CJ? Yeah, honestly, it's preseason, so they're still early in forming the offense. But honestly, for me, like uh, they've run some sets, but I've noticed just a ton of they're just getting the ball moving. Like Mirage said, a lot of driving kick. They're whipping the ball around the court. The ball's moving. It, I wouldn't say it's disorganized, but it's not a hard set. It's not they're running a play. A lot of fluidity. That and um, Scotty Barnes playmaking, you know, letting him take up the ball as a point forward, getting the ball to him in the post, letting him playmake from there, similar to how Marcus All did in the high post as well. Just a variety of different settings to have Scotty Ball, Scotty Barnes uh, playmaking is uh, important, and it's been fun to watch. Agreed. Yeah, OG, do you want to take a take a stab at it? Yeah, uh, one of the main things that I've noticed is an increased frequency of off-ball screens, particularly on like the weak side or like on second side actions. Last year, I felt a lot of times whenever we ran like a pick and roll or something, our uh, essentially everyone else would be on the perimeter waiting for the ball to either like get past to them but it was very stagnant well this year we're trying to have more pin down screens maybe some flare screens we're trying to keep the help defense occupied so they can't really help off uh on the ball handler while he's driving 
for Fred, that's perfect because a lot of times uh, players want to cheat in, want to obstruct his passing lanes and driving lanes, hopefully force him into a turnover. Even though Van Vliet has actually been a historically very low turnover point guard. But I just find that we're trying to open up and scheme our players better touches instead of just saying, hey, just go for it, do your thing, and uh, rise to the occasion. Yeah, it seemed kind of like a lot more like iso ball this game around, whereas before we were running a lot more screens and plays in general. Um, yeah, that's absolutely definitely right. like way more off ball screens last uh, last game compared to this game. I'm just gen- generally talking about the overall philosophy of the team. This was a lot of iso ball. I wonder if this was because, like uh, we mentioned earlier, the players were getting tired after running a lo- around a lot. There weren't that many substitutions. And also, maybe Nick Nurse also just wants to see, particularly if OG and uh, other players can actually handle more isolation work and how they would handle the ball at the top of the arc. Yeah, and you know, you and I have also talked about the fact that transition seems to be the name of the game this season. Um, you know, we have this kind of like theory about like why, why did the Raptors stock up on a bunch of six nine guys? And it seems that we're starting to see that because we're starting to see why. And it's because largely they want to play in transition to kind of mitigate the fact that they've got no half-court scoring. Do you, have you guys noticed that, that kind of pattern? And if so, do you think it's the right direction? I mean, for me, I, I think I agree with you that those 6'9 guys help in transition. And I think above all else, though, I think, I think the direction we're going in with those lengthy players and a lot of variety is there just uh, flexibility positional flexibility in all aspects of the game, having the length, being able to switch, run the uh, offense, having like when you have five guys on the court who can grab a rebound and take it up the court, that is tremendously significant to your um, fast break offense. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that seems to be the idea that, you know, the, the, if we get more defensive stops, then that allows us to play, to get more position, more of our possessions in transition where it's easier to score, so it might result in a greater, uh, you know, point per point per possession type of uh, rating. What, what were your thoughts on that, Nareesh? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing about like the the all forward, I'll call it lineup, is just being able to switch on every pick and roll, pick and fade action defensively. Because like there, there are obviously teams that have attempted to switch everything defense before, but. If you have even one guy on the floor who's six feet tall and kind of switch on to centers, then that just takes mismatches, right? And they'll they'll exploit those mismatches and they'll still find a way to score. But if you have everyone on the floor and that's literally looking like Scotty and OG and Pastel, then you can switch and there'll never be a mismatch. Um, and if you can't get anything out of a pick and roll, which is like 70% of every team's NBA offense, it's like, what's that other 30%? Like, you, you're not letting teams score in their half-court offense at all, or, or they're scoring in the bottom few seconds of the clock, right? Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, totally. Does anybody else have anything else to say about, you know, OG or Scotty Barnes or anything else uh, before we call it a night? Who you guys think is... is if if Shvi and Yuta both make the roster, um, then out of Bonga, Decker, Wainwright, and Gillespie... Who do you guys have taking the last spot? How many? There's only one spot left after that. If yeah. Shvi and Utah both make it. Ooh, man. Sorry, what, what was the 
give my give me the rundown of the names again because I remember like I was say Champagne, but he's on a two way contact contract, right? Champagne, I think is two way. Yeah. yeah, it'd be what Bonga, Decker, Wainwright, and or is that it for the last spot? Am I missing somebody? Reggie Perry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Is Delano on the? Okay, well, he's on rookie contract. Yeah, yeah, we we signed him. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, man, who would be the last spot? Could you could you repeat the question? Oh, Niraj just disconnected for a second. No worries. Let me just take a look at the uh, yo score the bottom. Can I say something about Scotty Barnes real quick? Hell yeah. Hold on, let's just try and um, yeah, Niraj, why don't you repeat that list real quick so we can get through? Yeah, that? my bad. Um. I forgot Reggie Perry. I just heard his name somewhere said it really quick. But if if we're assuming that Shvi and Yuta both make the roster, then out of Sam Decker, Isak Bonga, Ishmael Wainwright, uh, Freddie Gillespie, and Reggie Perry, there's one roster spot left. So who who do you guys think is is taking that? Um, man, Wainwright has not really been gained that much run recently. Yeah, I'll start it off. I think it's Wainwright. I think that it's a slam dunk. I feel like if you debate it, it's offensive. I think that the, there's an obvious answer and it's Wainwright, but maybe you guys totally disagree. No, I 100% agree with you. Honestly, some people disagree with me on this, but sometimes converted football players work and sometimes they don't. Freddie Gillespie, in my opinion, is an example of a player who doesn't work. Terrence Davis is an example of a player who had his ups and downs, but he was a decent example. And honestly, I feel like Wainwright ex-football player he's an athlete he gets at it i feel like he's a hard-nosed player and he should be that last guy i definitely like wainwright for that but part of me still kind of wants to see the isaac bonga experience <laughs> well maybe he can end up in the 905 that's true I, I can't blame you for wanting to see bonga either though it was, like it blows my mind he's still just 21 going into his fourth season but can't blame you on that one at all right and the fact that he's like what six eight point guard essentially, Ugh, it's tantalizing. All right, will, all right, will take us home with your question. Yo, what's up? real quick, I wanted to say I apologize. I didn't realize you guys were live recording the podcast right here. Uh, I just wanted to say Scotty Barnes for president, and uh, you guys have some great <laughs> tweets. I love it, and uh, yeah, I have to listen to the podcast. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Really appreciate you. Did you have any any question in particular? No, I really just wanted to say Scotty Barnes for president. Honestly, was there anything in specific that really impressed you about tonight? Like one takeaway? I thought first off, OG's aggressiveness, like just offensive. Everyone saying OG. Like, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Like also the bench, all the younger guys, dude. They're like it's just, it's awesome to see the confidence they have. I mean, obviously, the, the Raptors are without, like, a handful of, of starters, key players, key bench players even. But, like, I mean, just all together, it's preseason. I think they've got something here, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else want to offer their thoughts on that? Scotty Barnes for president. Add both, man. All right, yeah, I appreciate you, Will. So, with that, we are going to call it a wrap. So thanks again for joining us. If you came in late, you can catch the recorded version tomorrow on our streaming platforms. Make sure to follow Hall of Takes for daily content, and we'll catch you next time. Appreciate everybody who came in, Niraj, CJ, and uh, Mike. Really appreciate you, and thank you, everybody, for your questions.
No worries. Thanks for hosting.